Studios podcast. Very interesting times we're going through right now with the coronavirus. Um, and I won't talk too much about it because everybody's in it. The whole world is involved in this um, incredible thing. So, appropriately, um, Dr. Catherine Clinton, an incredible naturopath in our area here in Eugene and Springfield. Um, is on the show. Um, it's actually, it's going to be part one, um, and it will end a bit abruptly when we decide to take a potty break. And, um, and then the part two, actually, that I recorded with her, the recording is just, something happened with it, and, um, it's unusable. <laughs> so, um, but the first part of our conversation is epic, and, um, and I know that we will get to our second part, um, to our next chapter of the conversation, but I just really wanted to share this first piece with everyone. Um, and also, um, in the, in the wake of the virus and, and everyone feeling sort of weary of, of hospitals and, and really being out anywhere, um, there's been a big rise in interest in home birth, um, which I think is, really a beautiful silver lining to this. So if you're tuning into this show because you have never considered it or you're maybe considering it or you're just, you know, exploring your options as far as birthing, um, welcome, welcome, welcome. And just um, listen with an open heart and you will, you will hear everything you need to hear. So without further ado... Dr. Catherine Clinton. So what are we going to do tonight, Pinky? I was hoping we could take over the world. (laughs) This is Dr. Catherine Clinton, and here we are at the Rain Studios podcast. So, thank you so much for having me on today. I am so excited to talk to you. I am so excited too, and I think that I have said this on maybe every single recording, but my guess is that this will be part one of at least three conversations. (laughs) Uh, We did a little walk around on the property, and um, we already got into some pretty amazing topics, so So let's let's begin. I think we're going to begin with your birth stories. Okay. Well, I actually... I'm going to start with my birth experience yeah. because I started assisting with a midwife here huh. in town. When? I started assisting with her my freshman year in college. Oh my God. She, I actually had taught her kids in Taekwondo, so okay. I knew her and I knew her family. And she came to a women's studies class and she explained what she did. I always knew her as the wonderful woman that she was I had no idea that she was a midwife so she came and spoke to my women's class and just explained what she did and I was like I've got to do this so I went up to her and I said that I said what is going on what are you doing I had no idea this is amazing she said well I'm going for a visit right now want to come and so we went a couple blocks down and she helped um, a mom who was struggling nursing and just that interaction of this 
calm, maternal figure helping this woman who was, you know, new moms, we understand that, that panic and stress. And as a freshman college student, I didn't understand why it was there, but I saw (laughs) it was there. It was there. I saw the almost terror, panic in this woman's eyes, and the whole scene changed with um, the help of this midwife. And so I assisted with her for five years, and it was actually the turning point in knowing that I wanted to go into natural medicine. I knew that midwives were cut from a different cloth. And I um, was not cut from that cloth, Mm -hmm. but that the medicine, along with all the birthing wisdom that they have, the natural medicine was amazing. You know, I saw her um, stop hemorrhages and do all these amazing things with natural medicine, and so I was sold. Wow. Um, And so she was actually my midwife for my first birth, and I knew that it would be easy and I would be a champ. Nice. <laughs> well, so I thought. So you thought. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I did. I thought it all the way up until, you know, she always gets these little vibes from people. And so I said, well, so what's your vibe with me? And she said, you might have to work for this one. <laughs> oh, don't say that. And she said it during labor? And she said it before labor. Okay. And... Then, during labor, um, we walked for hours, five hours, and you know, every time a contraction came, I stopped and I said, oh, I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm opening up and I'm doing it. And um, we got back after five hours of that, and she was like, yeah, you've got a ways to go. Mm. You're at zero. Wow. Oh, my God. And she said... You know, you've got some stuff to figure out, so I'll come back. And I was like, what? What? What stuff? Like, send me a link. or ah, you know, <laughs> What's the Wi-Fi password? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How do I access the stuff? Oh, she man. said, you will. you got some stuff. I'll be back. I'm going to go sleep, and I'll come back. Wow. And so I actually was, like, mad. I was like, that is not good leadership (laughs) (laughs) right you were supposed to do this for me yeah exactly you Uh tell me the stuff and I'll go through the list and is this Anita Mm -hmm. amazing I'm getting her on this podcast oh yeah you have to she'll be a six-part series oh at least (laughs) yeah Uh, so amazing so then I spent like a good 15-20 minutes mad at her good um and then <laughs> I got mad at my midwives too. Yeah. Yep. It's and it part kind of the deal. It is. It kind of opened up the gateway, and then uh-huh. I got in the shower, and then it came crying. And I am, yeah, I had blocks. I had family members that a couple weeks prior said, you know, you're not good with pain. I can't believe you're doing a home birth. All these little things, my own obstacles, and I just, I didn't clear them. I sobbingly acknowledged them, mm-hmm. and that was all that was needed. Yeah. And then, bang, I had that little baby boy in the birthing tub, and it was amazing. So, well, let me ask you something, because, like I said, I was listening to a podcast last night about addiction, and mm-hmm. then what, what we really go into is, I always call it attachment, mm-hmm. and... 
And so, like, do you feel like during that process, like, you had attachments to these things, and you hit your bottom? Like, that was, like, you were on your knees, and you hit a bottom with those feelings, and that actually helped to release... I do, except I don't know if they were feelings or they were like intellectualizations. Is that a thing? Yeah, <laughs> totally. You know, so I was like, my mind's going to do this. Uh-huh. So we walked. Literally, we were hiking the, the trails for five hours, and I would stop every now and again, and in my head be like, I'm doing it, and I'm opening the womb. And, uh-huh. and that's not where it comes from. No. It totally is... <laughs> An obstacle to say the least. Yeah. So it's an undoing. Yeah. You it's can't a, do labor. No. Labor like does you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And my second birth, that was a total example of that. You know, I'm just trying to convince everyone I'm having a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even Anita comes in, da da da, and talking nice to everybody. Uh-huh. And I'm like, Anita, there's a head coming up. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, oh, so it was, your second birth yeah. was like, I had unraveled, so unraveled. my body was like, you know, it's 9 a.m., and we're getting started, and by noon, it, there was the sweet baby. Oh, my gosh, really? Really, my body just knew what to do, and I did How many everything. years apart are they? Uh, three. Three. Cool. And I did everything to keep my mind away. You know, I woke up at 6, and I made a really strong batch of sleepy tea. I said, I'm going back to sleep. Like, I'm don't not gonna, think about it. Don't <laughs> think about it. You know what that can do. Cool. But it is. We are so removed from our innate, instinctual knowledge, mm-hmm. you know? And it's something I get really um, feisty about. It's something that's been taken from us mm-hmm. as American women. You know, this has been going on for over a hundred years. When you look at the baby registry, um, in 1911, 1912, I mean, every mother in America got a pamphlet saying, don't trust your feelings, you don't know your kid, take him to the doctor. Mm. And that was sort of the start of something that had been working for another couple hundreds of years. You know, this Mm -hmm. science based intellectual mind over matter kind of dogma eliminating these natural truths these Mm -hmm. instinctual things we know to be true as humans and Mm -hmm. as mothers and it's been systematically piece by piece kind of taken away from us and that's what my first birth did was open my eyes to oh this is what we have Mm -hmm. watch out (laughs) Because who knew? It it's is so big. It it's is so big. It is. And it's something that we don't, that is really specific to, you know, um, our Western culture. Yeah. You know, you don't see the kind of obstacles and barriers to productive labors in some countries that haven't been indoctrinated in moms don't know best right you know they still live in moms know best yeah so because they do because they do because they just do yeah wow and so so from i guess i like to give the listeners because i imagine that some of them 
are familiar with home birth, but some of them are not. So can you tell us like, just like what it looked like and what it felt like in the minutes to hours after your babies were born? Absolutely. Um, so right after my first was born, like I said, I have three, but two came from me. So <laughs> when the first one came out, um, It really, it really was um, this amazing space bubble, or you know, um, like a frozen moment in time. Mm. You know, this little baby came out and had, I don't know, maybe five seconds. Um, it seemed like a long time, but in reality, it probably wasn't where he kind of floated to the top. We assisted him a little bit to the top. Our midwife held back and just let us do it. And we had this amazing intimacy that um, was something that I cherish and think about and hold with me to this day. He did, you know, the little um, nursing crawl. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, this baby just kind of floated to the top of this tub. I held him and he knew exactly what to do. I didn't know what was going on, but he was like, <laughs> oh, I'll God. show you. Yeah. yeah. And from oh. there, I kind of took a, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes to, to bond and relax. And then we moved to um, the bed. And from there, it was uh, my husband helping. And then when it was my daughter, it was my son and my husband, you know, we decided to have the water birth and we wanted to do a fire umbilical cord um, separation. Yeah. And it was just amazing to have all that in the space of your own bedroom where you can feel really comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. Oh, so beautiful. It was beautiful. It's so beautiful. I was reading um, last night, too, in this book. It's called Earth Medicine, and it's a, it's a collection of, like, Native American traditions and stories and poems. And, and just the sections I must have been on um, was a, about relationships, about mm -hmm. love and relationships. And, and the, the three, um, you know, important pieces to the puzzle of relationship, they say, is respect, truth, and trust. Absolutely. And intimacy. Wait, respect, trust, and intimacy. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. and, and as you were telling your story, those words popped up because the relationship between the mom and the new baby, you have respect for the baby. Mm -hmm. You trust the baby Mm -hmm. that's all there and then intimacy that, that was what sparked it when you said intimacy so there's this intimate moment and there's respect and trust that's mutual that's from both sides the baby respects and trusts you and has intimacy for you innately because I mean the baby was grown inside of you for the past nine months absolutely and then so when you as the parent reciprocate that mm -hmm. this is the bond I mean, I get chills. Yeah, like absolutely. that's a bond, mm -hmm. and, and that's a bond that affects the health of that baby and that mother and generations to come right. ahead. And I believe generations behind us too. 
Um, it's all connected, you know, it's, that is where it's at. That yeah. bond and that attachment is um, pivotal, foundational. Yeah. For, well, and I'll say too, so um, for the listeners, like the, I became completely enamored and in love with this woman at the Oregon Midwifery Council statewide meeting just a few weeks ago when we were honored with um, Dr. Clinton's presentation um, and and that you said that like that that birth can change the world it can, uh, <laughs> and, it can. and so when we were joking about pinky and the brain in here I mean I had to turn the recording on because that is what Catherine Clinton says she's going to change the world. Yes, I, I, I would like to change yeah. the world, and it's not me. It's, it's just giving that empowerment back to mothers mm-hmm. and to and to children. Um, right. Like I said, it's been systematically, piece by piece, taken away, and and to think of where I would have been if I had been in a hospital birth you know I was sick before all this happened you know when I was oh, really? in school yeah. oh right oh I remember yeah oh we're gonna get into that and <laughs> and authority is you know that kind of medical authority white coat um, mm. is big huge huge and I think it really would have impacted my attachment um because not all of the policies and protocols at a hospital birth are geared towards attachment. Right. Now, that said, women have hospital births all the time, and they go in with very, you know, you can go in with very strict, hey, I want this, so that you can have bonding, but it's not meant to facilitate attachment. Right. Um, yeah, those were, yeah, and like, Respect, trust, and intimacy right. are basically n- not on the list at right. a hospital. Exactly. Unless the mom, so like Kristen, for example, who's watching Wolfie right now, she has incredible story. Which she and she's just so poised. And every time a doctor came in, yeah, she would, or a nurse came in, she was like, "No, thank you. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna wait on that." Mm-hmm. And they they respected her, and they were like, "Oh, okay, okay," More you know, and. Yeah. Yeah, and as she was trying to have a home birth as well, but she had some, like, um, heart, uh, she had a previous, like, liver condition, and then, so she was on the higher risk spectrum. Sure. And yeah. so when her midwife suggested, she was like, you know, your blood pressure's just too high. Right. You need to, so, you know, it was a very logical thing. You can see that on episode two and three. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so, so, cool, let's take it, I think we should take it now to your path of medicine. Yeah, absolutely. And I like in my little notes here, can you, or maybe like the history of you, like, cause I have this like Mississippi days. Yes. I want, I wanted at the, at the statewide meeting, I was like, tell us more. But we only <laughs> had so much time. So now we have all the time in the world. Well, I was, um, that's where it started. I was the kid that came home sick from school with tummy aches. Mm-hmm. And um, this is, you were, like, were you born in Mississippi or? I was born in uh, Kentucky. Okay. And then by the time I was school age, we were in Mississippi. Okay. And uh, they had corporal punishment at the time. And they had, mm-hmm. had slash, have, some 
racial issues. And so the corporal punishment was really kind of doled out that way. Hmm. It was very uh, severe. I, I witnessed kids being dragged out into the hall, other teachers being called to hold them down while paddling happened. No way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. Um, and it was traumatic, <laughs> to say the least. But Did that ever happen to you? No. Nope. Um, no. So wow. this is bystander trauma. I mean, but the people still. that were having that happen to them have even more, you know, trauma laid on them. And so what you are saying in a very, like, very spatially correct way is the people of color were being beaten and, yes. the, and the Caucasian children were not. Yes. Okay. Wow. Um, and, and that was my first grade uh, perception of it. Yeah. And it actually, to be honest, it had nothing to do with race. It was, um, wow, some of these teachers will fly off the handle. And they'll beat you. And we are not safe. Watch yeah. your back, kids. And I would come to school crying. And I was this, um, you know, kind of a southern belle. I had long, ringlet, blonde hair. And I would not tell the teachers what was wrong. So they assumed some kind of physical abuse at home. Oh. And I would get home to my, and, you know, call, uh, the nurse's office would call saying, she's here again, come get your child. And my mom would think I just didn't like school, and I wouldn't tell her either because it was just a, it was just the way the world was. So much fear. Yeah. Just um, encapsulated in fear. Yeah. And didn't have the words, didn't have... How old are you? Now I'm forty. Or, yeah, but in my forties. And you, but like at the time, <laughs> you were like five, For, yeah, six, yeah, five, six or seven. Five, six, five, six. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. And so that kind of started, um, and you know, fast forward twenty years later, in my twenties in medical school, so I had that kind of traumatic school history. Mm -hmm. My parents were wonderful, but they didn't recognize that as trauma. They recognized it as a kid that didn't want to go to school. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was never addressed, you know, until much later. And by the time I ended up in medical school, I had been on this standard American diet, probably had some epigenetic stuff going on as well. And the stress of school by my second year, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which is an inflammatory bowel disease, disease and um, it's an autoimmune condition. It's the sexy one, mm -hmm. <laughs> where you, where you um, have to poop all the time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you poop blood because your body's attacking the colon. Is it is it like in the family of IBS? Well, IBS is inflam um, irritable bowel syndrome. Right. So that can be like from something that irritates your bowels. It can be anything like, like an external thing that yeah, comes in that yeah. is disrupting yeah. the system. Whereas yours is like the internal system is yeah. rejecting everything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's autoimmune, so my body's actually attacking the colons, creating ulcers that bleed and wow. by the time yeah, in the middle of my second year I was actually called my now husband. I was in the hospital. It, it was actually the day after my birthday. 
Happy birthday to you. Yeah. <laughs> and I had lost so much blood. I was in the hospital, and they were on the phone with my doctor, and they were recommending uh, surgery to remove part of my colon. And it seemed definite, and I just was not the patient at the time to say, no, let's talk. And I was very ill. Yeah. And I didn't want my colon taken, so I called my now husband and said, I'll be standing in the bushes outside of there. And I laughed because what a ridiculous thing to say. You ran out of the hospital? Yes. Oh my God, I love you. <laughs> I hid in the bushes. Stop. Um, at the gastroenterologist <laughs> specialist in Were you in your old gown? Like, oh. Did you get your clothes back on? Yes, I did. Oh my God. Um, Yep, I took him, I walked out of there, I changed in the lobby bathroom and kind of looked over my shoulders, I went in the bushes because a colon is really something important. I want. Yeah. yeah, extremely important. And a colostomy bag is not something that a 23-year-old or anyone of any age wants. So that was the start, you know, I was studying. 23. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, so young. Yeah. And I was in the right spot, so I found an incredible um, naturopathic physician. Her name's Sacha Ambrose. She's, Is this here? It's in Portland. In Portland. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And she's amazing, and she... Um, Sacha she, Ambrose. Sacha Ambrose. Great name. Yeah. She's a wonderful woman, and smart as a whip. And smart as a whip so that she can... Um, she really came up with a comprehensive way of looking at things. You know, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. I had two parasites. I had bacterial overgrowth. I had Lyme disease. I had heavy metal toxicity. I mean, I was sort of your poster child. Oh, my God. And I'm just, again, so we're all audio, but, like, you're in your 40s and you look amazing and you have incredible skin and like brightness you. in your eyes. I mean, you certainly don't look like you've experienced that kind of physical illness trauma. So, well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the world is an amazing place. And, and the body has, is an amazing thing. And it is. Yeah. They're connected and they can heal. And that's. So she put you on a plan. She put me on a plan and also she didn't have tunnel vision mm. so she wasn't like this is because you weren't breastfed or this is because blah, blah. she said let's look at you and let's make you better mm -hmm. like what today. what's going on yes absolutely today? and of course we did things that were good for ulcerative colitis PubMed peer-reviewed you know that's great but there's also a whole slew of stuff out there that's just as well researched from reputable journals that doesn't get the attention because it's harder to accept. Hmm. We live in our minds, we live in this intellectual world, so when I start talking about like heart coherence and some of these studies, you wouldn't believe the reaction I get on Instagram or Facebook when I put that information out there. It's just like, what are you talking about? And this is crazy, and that's not true. And wow, it is. And oh, people—it's amazing how it like upsets people. It does, you know, because it, it does rock that. Just like that first birth of mine unraveled me to the core. That's what's happening when they get upset. You know, that core belief is rattled, and so it's like, 
No, our hearts have nothing to do with us but beating. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> Just keep telling yourself that until, yeah, until you hit your wall or hit your bottom or face that, you know, you see that in the mirror or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <sighs> That's amazing. Change the way you think, you know? Absolutely. Because, like, you might, like, it just might not be. Like, remember they thought the world was flat. Exactly. And they were sure of it, you know. And there's so many things like that in, like, the scientific history of, you know, modern civilization. It's like we, we as humans have thought we had it all figured out, like, all the time. It's and insane. Yeah. It's insane. The only constant is that we actually didn't have it figured out. And yes. just being okay with that, finding some sort of a comfort in that. Yes, like I was saying just, um, I don't know, a while ago I posted something about a new hybrid cell discovered and it's the link between the immune system and the neurological system and it's amazing. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what, since I've graduated 10 years ago, since I've been practicing medicine for the last 10 years, there has been so much discovered. There are red blood cells made in your lungs. There are, you know, the list goes on and on and on. New organs discovered. Mm. You know, so many things have happened, especially in the last five years. And then we race to figure out how can we control them and how can we make it work for us. And it's like, you know what? It exists already in a context. And yeah. the context is that being in the world being in the world the way we were meant to be is going to make it better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's either going to respond to that stuff or if it's broken, that stuff will fix it. Like there's that common sense knowledge of like we're human mammals and we live in this world and that's the bottom line. It's real. Yeah. It's real. It's real. And there's no amount of reductionistic, uh, research we can do to pinpoint it because you know if we look at quantum physics we know the duality of the world we're matter and energy mm -hmm. at the same time mm -hmm. so good luck reducing that down to one thing <laughs> you know we just we just can't yeah and 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 even quantum physics people ah don't bring up that crazy stuff it's like mm -hmm. quantum physics is the most if, you, if you're going to rely on those peer-reviewed um, PubMed studies, quantum physics has been proven more times than any other theory in science. So hmm. we got to accept it now. Yeah. It's time for us to move on. Okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's do it. We're doing it. Do it. We're going to take over the world. We're uh, going to share this information and we're going to change it. Yeah. More kids in this country are sick than well. And I don't mean with a cold. I mean chronically dealing with illness and disease day in, day out. And and so do you think that the, the primary cause of that or the combination is stress, diet, and lack of movement? Kind of. Kind of. Now, why would I even try and like guess what you think? Can you tell us what you, why are all, why are over 50% of our children chronically ill? I think because we've lost our connection to what makes us healthy. Ah. <laughs> Not this little guy. <laughs> no, it's good. He Which is one of the connections we need to make us healthy right there. Yeah, <laughs> right there. Absolutely. 
So, okay, so can you elaborate on that? Yes. Um, you know, movement and lifestyle stuff is amazing. Sleep, movement, good diet, they're foundational. But I think it goes to more than that. Mm. I think it goes to a loss of connection with um, the outside world, which we term nature. Mm -hmm. But it is temperatures. Our bodies live at the same temperature all year, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. Mm. Our, temp our, our sun intake is not where it should be. And we got to remember that our cells respond to signals, and energy is one of them. Right, mm -hmm. so the energy that we get from food, like caloric, whatnot, and the phytochemicals and all that stuff, but we are getting also so much information from the sun, yeah. so much information from the temperature of what's happening outside on our skin. Mm -hmm. We get so inf so much information. Our cells get so much information when we align with the magnetic field of the earth. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> Wait, what? Yes. I mean, I, okay, so I always joke about that, and I feel like I can't be the first person who said this, but if the moon, for example, pulls the ocean and pulls tides Amen. a couple times a day, yep. I mean, feet, moving feet, you know, at a time mm -hmm. of, like, such volume, yes. how could it not affect us? Absolutely. And so that's what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Okay, great. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly up by the name of the chalkboard. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. And then we talked about this, Dr. Zach Bush, who I'm desperately going to get on this podcast. Um, yes. He speaks about, like, we need to go sit next to a fern and breathe. Yes. Because that, like, just breathing next to a fern, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of a... <laughs> like silly or kind of, you know, broad little thing to say, but going into the forest and breathing can change yes. your microbiome. Absolutely. That's absolutely, absolutely. So, like, we've known that there are certain strains of probiotics found in dirt that are amazing antibiotics. Mm -hmm. So, the, just going out and gardening yeah. can be a huge immune, immune boost. Mm -hmm. We know that... So, our I know I'm we like, get so excited. Do I, <laughs> where yes. do I go? Yes, okay. do it. Oh my Here god, we go. dive! So our receptors, we recept, we get information from our outside world, mm -hmm. right? So we one of the ways we get it is through our eyes. We mm. talked about um, you know our skin being one. Our eyes are a huge win when it comes to the sun, but also to green. Like mm. there's something in our brain. When we see green spaces, mm -hmm. it and water, and water, like, yeah, I gotta give you a book. I'm gonna write that down. Yay! Just have a little little moment. It's called. Oh, what is it called? I'll remember. Yeah, and that's amazing. You know, it's amazing what happens in nature and it makes sense because that's how we evolved mm -hmm. and and when people say that you know 
it's like we have this picture of ourselves on a pedestal mm -hmm. and the pedestal rises as we evolve mm -hmm. further and, and further from yes. like dirt and yes. yeah yeah uh -huh. evolve upward. and that's not how it is we evolved in this a massive immense cobweb mm -hmm. so there is no pillar raising up <laughs> humans no we're yeah. in it we're in it and we're, we're so in we're it. trying to not be in it yeah and that's why we're sick mm -hmm. that's why we're sick so right and like Alan Watts always talks about like the walls and the boxes and like yeah. so we live in a house box and then mm -hmm. we, we regulate the temperature and yeah. the air quality in all of our homes is probably so horrifically poor yeah so then you go into your car box mm -hmm. and you like have that temperature regulation mm -hmm. and that air quality mm -hmm. going through that horrific machine. Mm -hmm. I mean, incredible machine. Don't get me wrong. We have a car. We have two cars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we drive them. Um, but yeah, but so from box to box to box. And then, you know, you kind of said this. How do you speak with your patients and clients and, you know, me about this idea that like nature is outside you know like mm -hmm. we're sitting next to a window and both of us are staring out of it right. you know like and it's true like as you just said like the green is you can't help it's it's mm -hmm. eye-catching I and mean, we like yeah we just gravitate to looking at the plants looking at the trees looking at the flowers and mm -hmm. but so this idea that we have that like we are separate from nature I mean that right there might be like that might be what's making us sick absolutely Absolutely. It's just the belief that, like, I am not a part of that. Absolutely. Oh, that makes me cry. Well, and it comes, you know, like, we were talking about the grounding. Um, and that is just such a... That's pretty woo on the spectrum, mm -hmm. right? Um, but again, there's amazing studies out there. There's a study where they took uh, kids in the NICU. Mm -hmm. And they... There's so much electromagnetic stuff happening, right? Energy around a baby or in the whole NICU? In, in the NICU. Oh, my you God. You know, you've got your monitors and your things, and the babies are hooked up, and da-da-da-da-da. And so what they did in this study was they neutralized that effect and introduced just the electromagnetic frequency of the Earth. And they called it grounding. That's that's grounding, right? Mm -hmm. Grounding is coming in contact with that specific electromagnetic frequency. Wow. And I'd never thought about it that way, but wow. That's yeah. what that's what electromagnetic grounding, like when you say a car is grounded, like if lightning strikes, yes. that's what that means. Well like the frequency, that's that's what like if, if I'm like if I get struck by lightning without being like on rubber, mm -hmm. is that what you're speaking about? No. Oh, okay. That's a different thing. No. Yeah. Like a grounded wire. Yes. Is that what that means? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. I just. Anywho, <laughs> I. You know, we're getting a little out of my house of expertise, uh -huh. but I, th I think grounded means that it has um, a place to to not pass through, right? So the rubber doesn't let you transmit that yes so it gets grounded correct so I'm talking about grounding as something different grounding meaning aligning with the electromagnetic frequency of the earth okay so there are products out there and that's what the study was okay it was a product that did 
the electromagnetic frequency of the earth in these little incubators wow. with the infants. Okay. And do we need those things? No, you just put your body on the earth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you just lay down yes. on the ground. Sit. Put your feet on the earth. Touch a tree. Um, you know, keep mm -hmm. your shoes on and hug a tree. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a bunch of different ways to do it, but that's what I'm talking about. Grounding is putting your energy in direct contact with the Earth's electromagnetic wow. frequency. And so when they did that in the NICU, what happened with the babies? It was astounding. Their um, success rate, because they're in the NICU, because they're having problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and their success rate was through the roof with mm -hmm. the babies that had been grounded versus the ones that had just had all this EMF thrown around. Amazing. Because our cells are water, yeah. right? So, um, so that we talk about all these things affecting us, electromagnetic frequency is going to be huge, right? It's going to be huge, and so that and that means yeah, we're very conductive. Yes. In that whole uh, like energy circuit, I'm still thinking about that, like still, but yeah, yeah, we're so, very conductive, and mm -hmm. the energy that is being squirted at us right now yeah. like in this room here yeah. these EMFs what we're doing here they are going into the cells in our body and they're messing with the conduction of our our energy so the fact that our wireless router is next to our bed like you would tell me to move that I would tell you to unplug it at, at night, night just unplug or it. just go grounded go grounded just plug your Get rid of the wireless router and uh, plug a plug in. Yeah, is that what you do? Mm -hmm. You don't have Wi-Fi at your house. I I have both because um, I have people at my house that like <laughs> to have wireless. At well, times. Damien, I mean, when I pull it out, he's like, huh? Why is the Wi-Fi not on? And I'm like, ah, you know, yeah, totally. It doesn't bother me, but okay, okay, yeah. Cool. So we we yeah we. Navigate as best I can. But is that why you moved out to the country? Because you wanted to be more connected? Yes, absolutely. My nervous system does so much better in the country. And we've already established that my nervous system needs all mm -hmm. <laughs> as much help as it can get. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So I guess, gosh, we keep jumping around, but that's okay. So, so back to, you're in the bushes. I'm in the bushes. You're in the bushes, <laughs> and your now husband picks you up. Yeah. And he proposes right then. No. <laughs> no. no. Like I said, it's the sexy disease. I love so. it. I love it. Um, yeah, no. Uh, then I just took, you know, what was it? Three years to put myself back together. I refused to stop school, which did not help. Right. Um, you know. Being stubborn sometimes has its downsides. Right. Um, but it but got you to where you are today. You it know, did. In, in some sense, yeah, we can't all just be the Buddha and sit on a, in a, on a pillow and think about yeah. letting go, you know? Exactly. It wouldn't, I mean, it would be an interesting society. I won't say that we can't do it, you know? <laughs> it's probably the best idea, but I'm not doing it either. Yeah, I didn't, and mm -hmm. so I just pushed through and... Yeah. Um, and then, by the time I graduated, um, I, I've been symptom-free, except for a brief period with a, a family, the death of a family member. Mm. You know, I can, I can bring it back if I want to, mm -hmm. <laughs> or 
before I can keep it away. Um, you know, and we all, that's kind of my specialty in practice is I do a lot of autoimmune and GI stuff and pediatrics. Mm. And um, that's kind of the thing with autoimmune conditions. You can enhance them or decrease them depending on your lifestyle and what kind of triggers you have. So mm -hmm. that's what I did. I, I first worked on um, kind of the physical stuff happening in my GI tract. So mm -hmm. I did um, stuff to deal with the parasites. And, uh, and this was like homeopathic or like a combination of Western medicine and homeopath? It was, it was naturopathic medicine. It was naturopath. Herbal. What's the difference between homeopathic and naturopathic? Such a good question. Great. So, homeopathic medicine is um, a German medicine that came from a guy named Hahnemann. Oh. And it takes, it's so fun, it takes the substance and it dilutes it down below Avogadro's number, um, so it's smaller than an actual molecule. Wow. And it really rests on the like cures like principle. So he, Hahnemann really discovered it with mercury, where, you know, you get a little bit of mercury and that's bad. Uh -huh. um, a lot of side effects from mercury, right? Yeah. And versus where you're getting this below um, molecule of... Um, mercury in these homeopathic remedies and it's curing the things that the symptoms that mercury poisoning would create wow see i definitely didn't know that it's amazing one of my favorite and it's like the basic introduction into homeopathic remedies but arnica is such an amazing one it's a little flower that grows up in the mountains right in the like the rocky parts where you would fall and get hurt oh <laughs> and it's just it's that um Remedy down below a molecule, and you take it for bruising or um, muscle pain. Speaking of births, in my first birth with um, my son, right as he was crowning, I asked for the arnica because <laughs> I was like, "This isn't gonna work out." Oh, <laughs> you know? really? And now. I did not have muscle soreness after giving birth. I had soreness in, you know, places where babies coming out. Yeah. Creates, you know, like the vaginal area and yeah. all that kind of stuff was sore. Yeah. But my legs from squatting or my arms from right. all that. You didn't have the fatigue. I didn't. The muscle fatigue. I Very didn't. Very cool. And Wait, I, as the baby's head is crowning, you were like, give me the arnica. Yeah. <laughs> oh <my God>. Still <laughs> in the head. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love you. So it's uh, very, very specific, and homeopathic doctors um, are amazing. I don't get that in depth with it. I kind of stay in the realm of arnica, uh -huh. you know, like, oh, muscle soreness, here's a homeopathic. But true homeopaths, so naturopathic doctors use homeopathy, mm -hmm. and it depends who you're seeing, how much they do of it. Mm -hmm. So I would be a light homeopathic prescriber okay but other people will be looking who are better homeopaths than I am more in depth they'll look at your personality and that will guide your homeopathic remedy um it's really really amazing oh, do, you have to, to, do you have somebody that I can get on the podcast that's a homeopath 
Yes. Great. And she does flower essences, oh. which are amazing too. And it goes with the same principle of the memory of water, which is Whoa. a whole other thing. Oh my God. But all these things need to be at the forefront. We need to be talking about yes. the memory of water. But that's the difference. So a Blue Mind, that's what it was. Blue Mind is the book. Ooh, okay. It changed my whole world. Okay. Yeah, I'll put in the show notes. We'll put all these things in the show notes. Awesome. For the listeners. But yeah, Blue Mind is the one where they, like you were saying, that like looking at green space uh -huh. is like, and so apparently if you take it like to green space and you add water, like the human brain actually like, you know, the study is like you show someone a photo of like a, a, a pasture mm -hmm. and then you show the same photo with a pasture, but there's a stream in it and everybody likes that one more. Yeah. And like if, or the ocean, like if there's a waterfall or there's a water element, it's you, you instinctively are like, oh, I feel, I feel much more at home and comfortable with the one with the water. Yep. Isn't that amazing? It is so amazing. It's also why the price of real estate around water is so high. Just saying. Yeah, ab absolutely. And it makes sense. We evolved around <laughs> waterways and that yeah. gets into some of the stuff I talked with at the meeting. Yes. You know how, and it is mind blowing that. Some of these things that we get from waterways treat trauma. What? I mean, yeah. it's amazing. But it but makes so much sense. Like, if you just so really stop sense. and think about that, like, yeah, seafood, shellfish, kelp, you know, seaweed, like, all of that just, yeah, it's like in, in our instinctive, in the evolution or history of the human body, when we're, when we're close to water, we're in good shape. Right. And so there's, got, if, yeah, it's got to, like, spike all kinds of, like, this is good, this is good, this yeah. is good, you know, keep yeah. doing this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> amazing. It's okay. Amazing. God, here so I go. I'm going to finish your question. Yeah, so naturopath, homeopath. Yeah, so homeopath is dealing with those remedies. Okay. Now, a naturopathic doctor, and this is tricky, too, because there's two types. Oh, boy. There's one that goes to an accredited, uh, licensed school. Uh-huh. Which I am. Right. And then there's some types that do online courses. Okay. And they get a doctorate of naturopathy. Hmm. And so they know a lot about natural medicine, mm -hmm. but they are not licensed to practice medicine. Got it. So naturopathic doctors or naturopathic physicians, like here in Oregon, we're primary care physicians. So we order labs, we can prescribe what you need, mm -hmm. antibiotics, drugs, oh, wow. as well as being able to um, counsel about nutritional stuff and herbal remedies. You know, we go through a four-year medical program where we're learning the same kind of um, things that an MD would learn in their basic clinical sciences. You know, we're doing pharmacology and anatomy, we do cadaver lab for a year, we do all the basic sciences, and then on top of that, we do um, years of nutritional study, botanical, herbal medicine. Um, I mean, I'm furrowing my brow only because, to me, this seems like this is what medicine should be. Yeah, because and it was. In different, so different, to pause just for a second, but different from like an MD, and you're an ND, mm -hmm. right? Yep. N. And their M. So, was your focus as an MD? Was it also like, oh God, what is the word? 
more focused on like keeping a healthy body versus treating a sick body. Absolutely. Well, we do a lot of preventative medicine. Preventative. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mama's tired. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. But but yeah. like right. But I mean that's kind of like in layman's terms a little bit like. MDs like the like the medical world is so focused on like after the aftermath like right. well we're sick now so now what do we do right. let's fix it whereas like the naturopath world is a bit more of the, like we're healthy let's sustain this absolutely or if we're sick let's not just treat the symptoms let's figure out why we're sick because it views the body as more of like a connected as opposed to like well looks like your liver is messing up let's just focus on the liver right this naturopath focuses on the whole body absolutely and really the whole world absolutely love it (laughs) me too I love it it just seems so amazing It, it is it is I am so thankful for uh, the education I received. Yeah. yeah I don't blame, I'm glad you, you chug-a-lugged through, through the school. Me too. So you did, okay, so, so you're in school and then, and, but, and you're focusing also on healing yourself through what you're studying. Yeah. Which is actually really cool. It was. It was very <laughs> difficult. Looking in back hindsight. It, in, it, in hindsight, it, that it, seems it really cool. Yeah. yeah. In school, everybody, at the time when I got sick, I was studying oncology because <laughs> it was like fancy. You know, it's yeah. like the cancer drugs do this, and then look at the botanicals that are affecting that same receptor system and the enzyme, and it felt so fancy mm. and so sciencey. You mm. see how I get wrapped up in my head? Totally. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing the bird. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm wearing the coat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, then I got sick, mm-hmm. and everyone was like, "This will make you such a good doctor." And I was like, "Oh, I just want to." Uh but it did Uh and I love what I do and I'm so passionate and I can't wait to for world domination I know so world domination (laughs) do we talk about your fermentation domination first or do can we can we go there yeah is that what your book is about no okay so when you (laughs) when you're on this podcast app well we will put you on the podcast after your book because I feel like if we talk about your book do you want to talk about your book now Sure. She's going to talk about her book now. It's not done yet, but we're talking about it. <laughs> okay. Tell us. Well, it is... No, let's save it for later. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, because you have a fermentation book. I do. Well, I have or a you have ferment- website. I have, a, I have all these guides, guides that I give to people. Because okay. I just... You know, a post is only so long. Yeah. So... Um, I want the book. Or I want the guide, or yeah. Yeah, there. I have a fermentation guide. I have a cold and flu guide. I have a healthy allergy season guide. Because there's so much we can do, um, in those realms, and so I've made these guides. But the book is different. The book is really a world domination, <laughs> and how we've been separated from this knowledge, and a four-part way to get it back. And I really talk, it really talks about four things. We've lost the connection to our body. We've lost the attachment and connection to each other. Mm -hmm. We've lost our connection to our symbiotes, our little things, you know, our gut microbiome, Mm -hmm. our exposome, all the little... The little ones, I never forget the ones that are apparently on your eyelashes. There's like little creatures on your eyelashes. (laughs) So amazing, isn't it? Into them, yeah. And then we've really lost... 
our connection with nature. Mm-hmm. And nature is so much bigger than the trees or, yeah. you know, it's the whole ball of wax. Yeah, I mean, we're um, nature. We are nature. We are nature, thank you. Yeah, we are nature. Like, the food we cook is nature. Mm-hmm. We really everything. Everything is nature. Everything is. When you look at the structure of the cell, mm-hmm. it exactly emulates the structure of a human body. Right. Which you can say emulates the structure of nature as far as, like, the sun and the earth and the capillary system of our trees mm-hmm. and the mycelium and, you know. Oh, my gosh. Every time I pull up, you know, a weed or, or pull out a carrot or whatever it is, I mean, it looks exactly like capillaries. It looks yeah. like, I mean, it's the same thing. It's yeah. like a taproot into the earth is the same as like my aorta and all of its little... It's amazing. It's the same thing. Yeah. Did you see the bodies exhibit? Yes. I mean, that was the coolest. Yes. And we're actually, the midwife group is, we're going to get a cadaver lab for, for our midwife study group. Oh, that's great. I'm into it. I feel like, oh, so many things we'll talk about. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that next time. But like, or just with like death yes the cadaver lab was hard for me was it it was like seeing dead bodies it was because I guess I didn't it, yes it was hard to see dead bodies but it was also more than that it was hard to really appreciate what we're getting out of it because what we were looking at and dissecting was not alive Mm-hmm. So it really didn't. Right, it kind of doesn't do it justice. No, it doesn't. Because you're like sort of learning about it, but you're not learning about it. Yeah. And so, mm. um, you know, I think it was really important for us to see all the structures and know the interconnection and and really get a a feel for that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also it was also sad because the life had gone from those bodies and also there wasn't a reminder of that there wasn't a reminder of like this isn't what you're treating you are ushering life you are redirecting life in a human organism and that's how you affect change and affect disease and health and wellness it isn't a physical structure thing you're blowing my mind because I've been so attached to like my cadaver lab and how excited I am but not no but it's but I get exactly what you're saying I'll never forget this video that we watched in yoga training and it was the anatomy portion and this is a rolfer who was just an unbelievable wacky dude awesome Mm -hmm. there is a French video of like a tiny tiny camera going through and like looking at the fascia layer in an alive person wow yes it was the biggest oh wow it's just like flow state like you can see right. because you just see how like hyper mobile and like and and then and exactly like when, when you look at a cadaver lab I suppose I mean you're like pulling out organs and you're looking yep. at them alone and you're yeah. singling them out and you're like yeah. and they're in this dry air and they never see air inside of the body that's yeah. like constantly all of our organs touch and move and flow together with Basically, yeah. the connection of water and oh my gosh, yeah. Wow. And and it's not to say that cadaver labs aren't important, I right? Mean, absolutely. But it's not. It's not. But my, what we uh, deal with is the thing that's missing. Mm-hmm. You know, the connectivity, the aliveness, the flow, the flow. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so cool. Looking at my notes.
notes now. Well, well, I guess so. Well, we will talk about your book. I mean, I want to have you back on the podcast when your book is done. Yay. So I think that's what we'll do there. Okay. But so, can you talk about self care? What your what does your yeah. regiment look like? What does your kind of or your unregiment look like? And I know you homeschool with your kids and. Well, what is your life like? <laughs> <laughs> I think, gosh, my life is uh, all over the place at times. Sure. Um, <laughs> Who's isn't? I know, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I have some favorite self-care that I'm able to get in. Well, my one thing that I'm able to get in every single day is um, saying thank you. Mm. So I do it when I go to sleep, and I do it when I wake up, and I... Do you ever close your eyes and you can make, like, kind of little sparkles or a little aura? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's my send button. So I, oh! <laughs> I list all the things I'm grateful from, for, and then I close my eyes and make little sparkles, and oh. that sends it to the universe. That's cool. <laughs> that's awesome. I, yeah, that's just what I've come to do. I used to pray, and then I got really concerned about who I was mm-hmm. praying to. I used to do to whom am I concerned. <laughs> yeah, no. That was what you prayed to? Yeah. To whom am I concerned? That's yeah. awesome. Oh my God, I love you. Oh. So, this one seems to really work. I can yeah. really get into it, even if I just have five seconds. I can just picture everything and... Sparkle and send. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and so that helps me stay connected to good feelings rather yeah. than overwhelm. Overwhelm can really get me. Yeah. Um, so that's the one I try to do every day, and it's easy to get in every day. The one I try to do every day that doesn't always get in is I try to go out in the morning sun or whatever this is, <laughs> the morning shine, uh-huh. <laughs> hazy shine. The Oregon shine. glow. Yeah. <laughs> and I try to go barefoot, mm-hmm. and I try to be there for a minute or two. Um, so much easier in the summer. Yeah. Um, not as easy in the winter, but it does make a big difference, and my kids are coming around to it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was makes a hard... such a huge difference for me. Mm-hmm. The chickens like force me to do it, which is really cool. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. And yeah. because it's it's a different it's an exhale that you can't get just from like meditating, staying inside and like making tea is part of our regimen, I guess, or my mm-hmm. regimen. But like, it's not the same when you go outside. Like, there's a hush. Mm-hmm. Just, and I guess it's the grounding, and it's just a whole connection. I mean, yeah, it's almost instant. It it's amazing, mm-hmm. and that circadian thing reset we get from seeing the sun in the morning. Mm. Um, I lo- I it's been really powerful. Mm. Um, and that's something that like pretty much anybody can do. Anybody can do. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then of course you know it depends. On the day, I try to eat good whole food. Mm-hmm. I love my teas. You know, when I don't have time for tea, I do some mushroom powder and a little bit of um, collagen or a um, little bit of honey, something like that, just as a warm drink. Mm-hmm. Hydrate mm-hmm. with something 
good in it. This nettle tea nettle is amazing. Tea. <laughs> yeah. And what I do is I make huge batches mm. and then I put them in the fridge oh. so that I can All the have time. it last. Yeah, a little yeah. bit longer. That's nice. um, but yeah, I think it. And oat straw is your other favorite, right? I love nettle and oat straw. Together. I love, mm-hmm. ah. I love them especially for stress. Mm. They're just such a wonderful um, mix of nutrients and minerals that really help the adrenal glands. Mm. Remember, our adrenal glands are the ones that secrete cortisol and adrenaline when a bear jumps in here. And that's the way it's supposed to be, right? We're supposed yeah. to have a bear that comes a few times a year and right. freaks us out and we run to the meadow and we eat berries and we chill out. Oh. But we, like, sometimes we live with bears, uh-huh. we work with bears, they cut us off in traffic. They send you an email. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and so we have a lot more bears. Yeah. And those adrenal glands get worked and... Um, giving them some of those um, cofactors and minerals that are in the oat straw and nettles can be so wonderful. So healing. Yeah. So with your clients, would you say that that's like adrenal fatigue is probably like the highest cause of like sort of the initial illness set for, for most people in in this Western world? I would say absolutely, but there's so many things that can cause stress to adrenal glands. So like sure. what we're talking about is like the stress we think of, you know, like coworker fighting, or, mm-hmm. you know, nasty emails sent. Or familial stress. Right. Or, yeah. But there's stress like toxins uh, are a stress on our adrenal glands. Uh, Infections are a stress on our adrenal glands. Um, you know, so there's others not eating right, you know, because our adrenal glands also deal with blood sugar regulation. Mm-hmm. So oh. there's, I would say yes, for sure, but there are many things that can cause the Right, adrenal. not just emotional stress. Right. There's also very physical, physical stress going yeah. on from, like, anything from, like, breathing fumes of a car. Right. That stresses the body. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And like maybe if you have like a synthetic blanket on your bed, like that, that who knows, that could, like there could be off gassing from that that's stressing your body. Yeah. And everybody has their threshold, right? Mm-hmm. So like epigenetics tells us very clearly our genes aren't in charge, our environment is in charge. And our genes can tell us how much we can take of it, right? So my genes said, "Neep," mm. second year of school. Whereas other people's didn't because they didn't have the same stressors, they didn't have the same epigenetics and genetics that I have. So it really depends, uh, you know, how much your adrenal bucket can hold, wow. so to speak. But absolutely, some kind of stress And then the adrenals also play right into the immune system. Um, And it's all a big ball of wax. You know, when we get up in the morning, we're supposed to have that big burst of cortisol. And that helps us, you know, uh, have energy for the day. And then it's supposed to wane at night and melatonin takes over so that we can have a restful sleep. Hmm. Well, that melatonin production is also... um, regulated by our AM sun. Oh. So we think of it as a nighttime thing, but 
it's dependent on our AM sun. Wow. Yeah. Of course so, it is. Yeah. That's amazing. It is. It's so interconnected. So I would say yes to your question just depends, you know, it, everybody's so varied. but Everybody's so different. Yeah. yeah. But that stress and, and like we talked about before, like trauma and chronic stress are a doozy. And most of us are walking around affected by them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, okay. Do you want us anything else about self care? Like, I mean, go. It's so funny. I can't like cut you off on something as big no. as that. But <laughs> and I really want to hear like what you do. Like, what is what is it like with your patients? But <clears throat> would you would you say anything? Would you like to say anything more about your self care? Self care. Um, I love hydrotherapy for self care. I love baths. I love contrast showers. Yeah, that, I was gonna ask you about that. So hot cold. Yeah. 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 I love doing that. Um, sometimes self care is as much as noticing. Like this weekend, I have been working. I can't remember the last day I had off. Mm. Um, just either from researching, writing, going to conference, you know, whatever it is. So on Sunday. I was like, I'm not going to touch a computer. I'm not going to do that. And it was self care. I had to impose that because I want to. Yeah. I want to change the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah. But at the same time, we can kind of notice like little things tell us, you know, I'm not, I wasn't getting enough sleep. I didn't have as much zest. And, um, Oh, and I reached over and kind of pulled a little muscle. And I was like, I didn't even do anything. Like, my magnesium was so low. I did, you know, I was yeah. like, okay, lady. Like, okay, chill out. <laughs> chill out, yeah. So I did a huge magnesium salt bath and just tried to not do, you know. Yeah. And one of the things that I love doing is meal prep. So, like... Yeah, I just got done stuffing the freezer with all kinds of stuff. So I just pulled that stuff out. I was like, I'm nice. not making anything, and we're not going to eat crap. Yeah. So we're just going to pull this out, and I really love to save it for when we're sick. But yeah. This is this yeah. is me preventing us not getting sick. Yeah. You you want some milk, bud? <laughs> Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Oh, he just wants a hug. Yeah. He was like, "What's a hug?" You want a mommy hug? I'm sorry. No, you're good. He was like, "This one's really good." Hey, buggy bear. We'll post pause for a second. And that's a wrap for part one of Catherine Clinton's episode. We are so blessed to have her in this area. And check out her Instagram. It's pretty awesome. She's um, she's really getting in there and giving suggestions to people um, with the heart bath and with connecting to your heart and doing these incredible meditations and just reminders of um, of how we can be more helpful and more healthy to ourselves. Um, big thanks to Christiana Dancer, Dancer Voice Productions. Without her, this show is not possible. Um, Big thanks to Damien, too. 
my husband, my partner, my beloved, and um, shout out to my little man, Wolfie. Um, I'm just so grateful to be here and to be sharing the show with you all. So, um, yeah, little guy's napping. That's why my voice is so calm. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, tune in next week. Thanks. Stay well. Hey!